How Do We Value Art? by Morgan Nitz and Roberta Fallon. Our value system in America is blurry. What do we value? Money, certainly, and for some that is the most important. We've all heard the phrase, time is money, and we have plastic surgeons and the beauty industry devoted to keeping our youthful glow, so we can say we value time. We seem to value skill, at least when it comes to medicine, law, sports, or acting. We say we value knowledge, but maybe we actually value expertise. Experts save us time after all. America has certainly made itself clear about one thing. It doesn't value art. Needed, a more holistic approach to art, including both object and maker. Art is irrefutably valuable when used as an indicator of wealth, a status symbol, or when it can be resold at a profit. However, we do not value artists for their time, skills, knowledge, or expertise. Time, if paid by the hour, a graphic designer who is efficient is punished. Skills, artists are expected to maintain a day job and pursue their art career in the evenings and weekends. Expertise, you will not see an art expert on the news. People think they know enough about art already. Abstract art, my kid could paint that. If art is an area of time, skill, and expertise, it ticks off three value boxes. So why does art not come to mind when we ask most people what they value? One huge reason art is not valued is because it is not accessible. It is treated not as a part of life, but as a non-essential feature of life, reserved for the few, but not for everyone. Art can and should be for everyone. By not valuing artists, we devalue art. Art encompasses both the maker and the object. We argue that art is of great societal value and that by demystifying art through increased access and integration into our educational system, Art can be elevated in our topsy-turvy value system and adopted as a holistic practice that benefits not only artists and art educators, but our entire society. What is art? Art is thinking critically and rethinking systems and breaking rules. That is art's value. It is a system that changes and adapts and allows anyone to participate in shaping it. It is democratic small d. Art is not a narrow field of study. It is a response to the human need for beauty, order, and community. It's not too strong to say that art is a human need. It doesn't die, it changes. If you randomly select a group of people on the street and ask them to define art, you won't reach one universally agreed upon answer. Artists cannot even agree on a definition in part because art is complex. It's a system of thinking and a practice of making as well, and it is always in the state of being redefined. What is seen as art today would have been rejected 100 years ago. A phrase we hear too often is, I can't draw, which is a self-dismissive comment, but also a value statement about art. The unsaid corollary is, and I don't understand art. Drawing is not a definition of art, and the common understanding that drawing is art creates a barrier that prevents many from accepting art as anything other than the means to a pretty picture. 
but art is a practice of life. The roles of teachers, lawyers, actors are clear, but who are artists? What do they do? This inability to define what artists are and do creates a devaluing of the artist and a kind of misty demonization, or in some cases, glorification of these unknowable people. It also dismisses the art made by the demonized people and allows the value of art to be considered only in monetary terms. If you have little knowledge of art, there is no context in which to value it other than money. If the news says a Van Gogh painting sells for $125 million, people know that's a valuable piece of art, but that doesn't connect with their lives and is pretty meaningless information except for Quizzo. Here is a meaningful example of art that does not require the ability to draw. Arts can be a community project like Project Row Houses. Not only does Project Row Houses employ and provide opportunities for artists in Houston, it also runs the Young Mother Residential Program, which provides housing to young mothers and their children so that the mothers can go back to school. Arts can be an in invitation to cook together like Shrish Kelani's Immigrant Kitchen. Art blog itself is an art project. Projects such as these are a testament to art's ethos. Art exists to challenge norms, pose questions, and propose positive change. STEM and STEAM. It is no wonder, though, that when art is seen as a talent or ability rather than a way of life based on critical thinking, community, and beauty, that time and time again, art is the first thing to be cut from underfunded public schools. The arts are categorized as superfluous and not worthy of tax dollars. These funding decisions disproportionately affect poor people, marginalized people, and those who attend public schools, fueling the idea that art is a privilege and not for everyone. The lack of art in schools impoverishes education and impoverishes society. STEM was one nail in the coffin of art. It is easy to kill art programs in favor of engineering, math, technology, and science. But even before STEM came along in 2001, we had the culture wars in the 1980s and 1990s when Senator Jesse Helms and the Republican and religious right went after the NEA and gutted its budget for having given grants to artists like Andre Serrano, Karen Finley, and others who made what the conservatives believed to be sacrilegious or profane art. That was not the first and it wouldn't be the last time art was delisted as a public good, something to be valued. Philadelphia's Arts in Education Partnership is a STEAM program. It's an effort to reintroduce the arts. But as an organization that relies on grants and operates after school and in the summer, they are destined to fail because they are not integrated into the educational foundation. They are a Band-Aid plopping the A back in there instead of a permanent fixture of the educational value system. The Academia Feedback Loop. Don't get us started on art college. Why, you ask? Is there, if there is no art in most elementary and secondary schools, do colleges and universities teach art and award students degrees in fine art? 
Well, the answer is that some students want to study art. Some people actually feel bad when they don't make art. They need to express themselves in ways that fulfill them that science, math, engineering, and technology don't. Art helps people express themselves. It fulfills a human need to communicate. Art school is effective in teaching verbal communication. Think about critiques, artist talks, art theory. This training makes BFAs uniquely qualified to solve problems that require creativity, flexibility, and thinking on your feet. They can easily point out flaws and provide solutions. BFAs excel at offering different perspectives. BFAs are a unique resource and should be employable everywhere to help with critical thinking and problem solving. They deserve more than barista jobs, which is what many fall into after graduation. But art school itself is flawed. It is expensive and often cultivates an elitist and insular culture. And due to lack of employment opportunities for BFA graduates, many find themselves right back in academia as MFA students and then as professors. In her essay, Work Ethic, Helen Molesworth points out this problem. The rise of the MFA artist, an artist trained in large measure to become a teacher in MFA programs. This is not a sustainable model. Postgraduate education is not affordable, it is not accessible, and it is not diverse. We need to get out of this academia feedback loop and diversify undergraduate and graduate art education to provide opportunities for those who wouldn't otherwise attend art school, but who want to. Check out Camuel's piece, School to Museum Pipeline, which is all about that. While some are now rethinking the value of college education, which is priced so high it's creating a generation of lone enslaved graduates, we say the value of college lies in its ability to safely allow young adults to explore the world and grow into mature humans. And for that, we believe access to a four-year college should be free and all education past that should be affordable. While we're at it, even though we believe in access to postgraduate education, we believe that an MFA degree should never be a job requirement. This only services the business of arts education and forces underemployment, underemployed, overqualified BFAs into even more debt. BFAs deserve a living wage. Getting art back into America's value system and communities. We believe there should be full employment of artists after school. Artists should be paid to impress upon others the skill of critical thinking, creative problem solving, and the values of community. There should also be full employment in the nonprofit sector for artists to work with communities in programs like AmeriCorps. This may seem outrageous to you in 2020, but under Lyndon Johnson in the 1970s and under Franklin Roosevelt in the 1930s, there was employment in the WPA and CETA programs that employed in the 1970s more than 10,000 artists with living wages. This model is practiced today in the Berkshires through the Offices program, Artists at Work. The Offices' Rachel Chanoff says the ultimate goal is to make 
Artists at Work, a national program and as expansive as the 1930s Works Progress Administration. Museums can address their lack of diversity, inclusion, and community enrichment initiatives by working with public schools and colleges to employ, mentor, and collaborate with artists of color and marginalized artists. Again, you should really check out Kim's in-depth piece about this topic on ArtBlog. How have we tried to prove art's value? Data survey research by the Greater Philadelphia Cultural Alliance and others has proven art's value with dollar signs. Art and culture is in, 19, in 2019, a $4.1 billion economic engine for Philadelphia. That's $4.1 billion in total economic impact with 55,000 full-time equivalent jobs, 1.3 billion in household income, 224.3 million in state and local taxes. You would think that was demonstration enough of art's value, but unfortunately that is not the case, as evident by the city's decision to gouge the OACCE earlier this year. Arguments about art as an economic power player don't sell in political arenas where low-hanging fruit like OACCE is easily cut when budgets need trimming. How should we value art? Art's value is its holistic value. We want to convey with urgency that art is a practice of life that has been undervalued through inaccurate stereotypes and narrow generalization about its purpose. Like love and faith, art is hydra-headed. It is not stagnant. It is understood through societal context and time. In other words, we found ourselves thinking about how to redefine art, but defining art is not the problem. Art needs a conceptual manicure. It should be rethought as a holistic practice that can be integrated into anyone's lives instead of as a club for the few. We need to conceive of a way to introduce the value of art into people's lives in a holistic way that begins with public education right down to pre-kindergarten. These are steps that can be taken immediately. Support art by supporting artists with your dollars, buy their work. Support art by celebrating artists, go to their studios safely and talk with them about their art and learn about their art. Support art by starting to call yourself an artist. It doesn't matter if you haven't been to art school or if you did but haven't made art since. It doesn't matter if you think you've never made art. If you think critically, you are an artist. If you think visually, you are an artist. Do you knit? Do you crochet? Do you curate your living space or bookshelves? Do you enjoy food presentations or tending to your garden? What color are the clothes you put on today? All of these actions, just to give you a short list of examples, are artistic. There are many more examples. Finally, embrace the idea of art as a life practice. Say it, art is not separate from life. 